0: All right, well, welcome everybody uh, to the Bluff Valve Podcast, where We're your host Alex and Tucker. And there wasn't a lot of interesting automotive news this week, you know, some bits and bobs here and there, but nothing that was too exciting to either of us. So we wanted to kind of talk more in depth about a topic we've touched on on the show before, and that is the average enthusiast, you know, that has a good job, that works hard, Really getting priced out of a lot of the fun, exciting cars that are that are coming out. You know, it's we know the average car price uh, is getting more and more expensive, and so trying to find any sort of performance deal in today's marketplace has gotten harder and harder. So we wanted to try and figure out what we thought were some of the best cars that were still uh, accessible to someone that you know has a normal job and has you know a, a normal life and and mm-hmm. doesn't have 200 grand to blow on some crazy thing or you know needs to have a little bit of practicality because it's their only yeah. car or whatever the case may be yeah, so yeah, yeah so tucker and i were talking about this and we decided that we would set up we would both pick two cars could be new or used Kind of interpret it however you want, you know, in terms Mm -hmm. of whether it's a dedicated sports car or a general use car that's also fun on a Sunday morning kind of deal. And we would cap it at $50,000 because with the average car price, new car price being, I think, in the mid to upper 30s now, which seems crazy to me, um, $50,000 is, I think, it's an achievable goal. Um, for someone that has, you know, a solid, you know, middle class job t- kind of deal, um, it's certainly aspirational, but it's achievable. And, yeah. uh, so we, we thought that'd be a good jumping off point. So, what is, uh, what is the first one on your list?
1: Yeah. So, when I thought about this, I kind of approached it with my own personal interests mm-hmm. and a little bit in terms of, um, how I approach buying cars. Um, mm-hmm. I tend to, if I'm getting a car that, you know, is an enthusiast car or something that I think is um, uh, maybe more of a treat than mm-hmm. like a, just a utilitarian vehicle, then mm-hmm. I, am more inclined to want to spec it the way I want. Right. Um, so So I kind of thought about, okay, what are my interests in in cars? What are things that I've thought looked really cool in the past? And if I said to myself, okay, this is my budget that I'm working in, what are things that I'd be interested in? So Mm -hmm. the the first car, and this is something I've I've always kind of wanted and um, thought about it for a while, about going for it um, probably five years ago, but it was a, a Volkswagen Golf R oh that's a
0: great choice yeah
1: yeah 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 no i mean i had a gli back your uh the uh what was it the college chick car you called it oh the passade no no the gli the silver jetta oh yeah yeah the jetta oh yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. the sorority girl car yeah 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 so so this car is um I love, you know, the Golf. It's actually a pretty practical car, in, in a sense. You know, you've got a decent amount of room in the two back seats. Yep. They can be folded down. Yep. And, really uh, a so you, classic you Basically. And um, the other key ingredient to this for me, when it comes to these cars, is that it comes in a manual. That yep. it, It's at least an option. Right. And because I honestly we we've talked about this before with with the monstrous power available mm-hmm. to you know cars these days is kind of even you said recently you know speed in a in a sense it's it's fun but it kind of loses its novelty and maybe its engagement after a couple of years of hey i can just go really fast in a straight line right um where, yeah, that so as a manual really- yeah you're you're working on kind of like your rev matches when you're downshifting. Your, yeah. you know, heel toe placement. Mm-hmm. You're you're just kind of engaged with the car in a in a way that uh, is really satisfying. One of the mm-hmm. one of the things I really really miss most is you know when we swapped into our our truck, which actually is, you know, super useful car, my God, I miss the manual in my wagon. I really miss the manual. The manual is glorious. I love that about my BMW 2002. And so I think, Mm -hmm. I think the Golf R is a great, uh, sweet spot. I think it starts around 45,000. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have like a ton of room for options, but it yeah. gives you some flexibility in terms of, you know, choosing what you might want to add. On the top, I think so it's a I good it's A sweet little spot. bit more gro- what I love it's
0: it's a little bit more grown up than like an STI, like a Subaru STI or something mm-hmm. like that. That's a little bit more boy racer. I think the golf R you can yeah, like yeah. it's excellent performance and value, but like you can show up to, you know, pick up your kid from school and it's not like yeah you know it, it's not kind of a little bit embarrassing it's a like, I was great it's yes. like, a little bit embarrassed by the big ass wing on my sdi <laughs> <laughs> yeah i
1: mean this is uh you know it's it's kind of a sleeper in, yeah. in a way yeah know? it looks like so, a golf yeah right exactly no, so, i love
0: this pick i mean i i actually cool it was kind of on the short list for when oh, nice, i've been debating good. about like my next daily driver car when the bmw kind of finally dies uh yeah Golf R is on it because it's all wheel drive, good power. Um, you know, it's relatively yep. well refined, you know. Um, yeah, that's a phenomenal choice. I think and and it's a good all-rounder. Like that that could be your only car, and unless you're like trying to haul a kitchen table or something, you're gonna have room to haul what you need to.
1: Yeah, and I'm looking at it, you know, kind of right now as I was paging through it the other day. I mean, you're it it comes pretty nicely. Equipped, equipped with with standard features. I mean, yeah, the interior is probably similar to like an Audi S
0: three, like in terms of quality yeah. and refinement, like that kind of nice yeah. entry level luxury.
1: Yeah, and yeah. then you could get like a big ass um, cargo box for the roof.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and, <laughs> which would be sweet. And weird. these things are fairly, <laughs> I, I think, it. easily modifiable. Like with a little bit of like a ECU tune and stuff, like you yeah. can
1: actually make pretty good power. Um, yeah, and it's all wheel drive, mm-hmm. you know, yep. in the manual form. So that's super practical for you know if you're in a northern climate. Yeah, like you know, we are. so mine's kind of pricing out right around forty-five thousand bucks. Nice. Pretty sweet.
0: Yeah. yeah. So that, yeah, that's a great choice. I love it. Um cool. so the first one on my list, uh uh-huh. is so I the, the route I went with both my choices was it is maybe the only car that i have or if it's not it's my main car and it's got to be able to do it's got to be able to recover a lot of bases and still be fun yeah to drive mm-hmm. um because that's what i look for in any daily driver i've ever had is the exception of my s2000 but that was at a time in my life when like I, yeah i wasn't hauling stuff around i didn't need to carry more than one other yeah. person in the car so that was that was an yeah. impractical car that i i loved but mm-hmm. every other car i've had has been like. You know, had space, had you know usability. Mm-hmm. So, the car that I went with is the the new uh, iteration of the Subaru BRZ, um, nice or, or the Toyota 86. Um,
1: that was also on my list, brother. Oh, nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's a, so it's a two door, which is is you know a little less yeah. usable if if you're trying to get four adults and and whatnot. But if this is you know the target market for this car is someone in their early to mid 20s, maybe late 20s. They're out of school, got their first job, they're making, you know, 40-50 grand a year. Uh, you know, and and they're out on their own doing fine, but you know, they need something that is reasonably affordable, but they want to have a little fun too. Um, the the BRZ starts at 27,995. It's got a 228 horsepower four-cylinder engine, but like you to me the beauty of this car, it's a manual so the big knock on this car when it first came out was it was underpowered. Um particularly yeah. with the torque. There was a big torque gap down low. Um so you kind of had to keep it on boil to like have any real fun with it. Yeah. Uh this new this new engine apparently has has a much better power band in terms of torque. It's a manual. 228 horsepower. Let's be real, like we both have like high horsepower cars and they're fun. Yeah. But 228 horsepower and a really uh, well def- well done suspension is pretty much all you need to have a good time on public roads. I mean, yeah, exactly. It, yeah. It, and it, you know, you don't realistically need that much more. Uh, and so, you know, it has a pretty good um, pretty good uh, trunk space. Uh, you know, you can fit some golf clubs, you can fit your groceries, you can, you know, fit what you need to fit back there, and Yet you know Saturday morning comes. You got a day off from work. You can take it out and have a bit of fun. So uh, I I love that Subaru you know and Toyota teamed up to to do this. They're further refining the the formula here. Um, and from what I understand, it's really addressed all the shortcomings with the the first gen BRZ. Uh, and I think it looks good. It's really a classic two door coupe shape. I agree. So yeah, I agree. I, you know if you're this is. I think phenomenal value for money. So the BRZ is the first first one on my list. Uh, if I was twenty five and single like this, I probably would own this yeah. car.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know. And so for my next one, I, I this is just how I usually operate when I'm looking at cars. I'm like, okay, what's my budget? Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm going right to the dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forty nine nine so... nine five. <laughs> <laughs> That uh, makes the cut, makes the cut. <laughs> so you know for my for my next one, um I just since this car has come out, I've just been intrigued by it. Mm-hmm. Um I it's a little less practical than the golf, um because it it is you know a two-door and there's probably not as much space for, for hauling stuff, but mm-hmm. it's a car that I'm just really excited to see is still in existence you know growing growing up playing you know Gran turismo this is just a car that was like oh you got to have that you got to get that car and then you got to get it tweaked Mm -hmm. and so my second car is the uh toyota supra oh the the new one yeah yeah nice the the only one i can really get that is under 50 is the 2.0 Oh, leader, four liter, um, a four, four cylinder. cylinder. Yeah. And that's 255 horsepower, mm-hmm. and 295 uh foot pounds of torque. Mm-hmm. So my guess is that's still a really fun car. Yeah. Um, and it, it looks great. for me. It's I think so. I think it's just again, it's like I love that. It's a little quirky looking, mm-hmm. you know, but it just screams a sports car. Yeah, um, and so I kind of love the fact that they, the Toyota, had the balls to bring it back mm-hmm. because, you know, no, it's got to be like pulling teeth to even contemplate not building a crossover SUV. Right. Yeah. And building so,
0: building a sports car when the when the sports car market is such a small segment, and the yeah. production costs, the development costs are so high, I think it has to be a labor of love, or at least a. Yeah. they're trying to make a statement about what they how they see themselves as a company to build something like that. yeah
1: and I and I believe that this can also come in a manual. It can yeah um, I, I believe so that's important to me as well because again, especially if it's you know if you're not getting like the top of the pecking order with power, you mm-hmm. Want to be engaged in some way with, with the car, so I think a manual would be the way to go with this. Not super practical, mm-hmm. um, but man, just looks like a cool car. Even looking yeah. on you know the website right now, as I'm you know building mine out, it's like what a neat looking car, yeah. No, they're <laughs> I
0: love it. It's funny, you know, just
1: reminds me of my grand tourism, <laughs> yeah.
0: It's funny, you know, they were really a, a sales flop, I think, for Toyota. Because when they came out, um, you know, a lot of people basically Mm -hmm. said this is basically a Z4 with a a BMW Z4 with a different skin on it. Because they kind of teamed up for development of the chassis and whatnot with BMW. And and supposedly, there are even parts in the car that have like BMW logos on them.
1: (laughs) That's what I remember reading as well. Yeah.
0: So. You know, I, I've never, I've never driven one of these. I've, I've seen, you know, every time I see one, I put the smile on my face cause it's such a unique design, uh, that mm-hmm. I think is actually pretty, pretty good looking. Um, and I I think it, you know, it is a, a more, it looks more expensive than it is, which I think is a, a nice, yeah. certainly a, a nice thing to have. Like you want to feel like you're getting value for your money. Um, Yeah so yeah it's it's surprising it's surprising it wasn't a a bigger a bigger hit to me but every time i see one it it it, i it just makes me think gosh i'm surprised more people haven't bought these because they're just cool looking um
1: well and and, you know the i'm looking here the um the next trim up is the inline six Mm -hmm. and that's later that starts at you know 51.6 so yeah. a bit over our budget yeah you might be able to get you know, I read it <laughs> yeah that's probably not in this market but yeah that's true. <laughs> years ago yeah i probably got it under the budget <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh i no, i think that's a good call i did i didn't expect that one from you but that's a that's a good call yeah I,
1: yeah i just kind of like started with a uh, kind of an open mind about okay what you know, what are things that I thought were cool as a kid growing up? Uh-huh. And maybe, maybe I could experience some of that heritage and some of those things I thought were, were fun as a kid. Yeah. No, so I, I kind of took that approach.
0: Yeah. That, that super name is so iconic now. I think that right? that's probably what made the car in a way doomed to fail is there's such a mythology built up from, you know, years of Gran Turismo you know, and then the Fast yeah. and Furious franchise, obviously movies, hero yeah. car, and that aside yeah. from the R34 was the <laughs> the Supra. Um, and so to to follow up the Mark IV Supra, which you know, from people that I've from people that have owned them and from what I've read about them, they're actually kind of a dog. Um, you mm-hmm. know, it the reason that they're, I think, so mythologized is one, they look cool. Two, the, the the engine block itself is like bulletproof, so you can you can boost it to a thousand horsepower on the stock and, <laughs> and it takes it. So I think part of the reason it's so beloved is because it's so modifiable without, you know, having a bunch of issues. But in stock, like yeah. base form, I've heard it's kind of kind of a dog, <laughs> um, yeah. but it's a great looking car. So uh, so the this generation Supra is. Had a tough time. Was going to have a tough time living up to that nameplate. So, I think probably a lot of people just didn't give it a chance. But I think it's a great looking car. I'd love to try one. So for my second car, I'm kind of cheating, but it's a car I'm excited to see because it hasn't officially come out yet. Um, Oh, okay. But I think it could be a phenomenal, uh, a phenomenal car and tick a lot of boxes. So, you know, you know, the GR Yaris, the Toyota GR Yaris. Um, Yeah. So that never, that didn't get released in the U.S. That was in other markets only. And Um, the GR Yaris was really uh, an exciting car because it was a hot hatch. It had this really trick suspension, a lot of kind of rally inspired technology. And apparently it was just a blast to drive. And it had a manual. So, okay. you know, we felt, you know, a lot of the US automotive press and, and enthusiasts felt like, hey, you know, how, why didn't you bring this to the US? Like, why this would be yeah. a blast. So, Toyota's, uh, Toyota's response to that is they are going to make a GR Corolla. So, the Toyota Corolla, Ooh. they're going to come out with a, a, a GR version, which is Gazoo Racing. That's Toyota's kind of skunk works arm, kind of like BMW M or Mercedes AMG. And, uh, it's going to have, so this is because they haven't officially come out with it. This is the rumored stats, but it's supposedly going to have a more powerful version of the 257 horsepower inline three engine, uh, from the GR Yaris. So it's going to be the GR Mm. Yaris pumped up a little bit. It's going to be all wheel drive. It's four doors. Um, you know all mm. presumably all the dependability and reliability of a Corolla, good warranty, Toyota build quality, Um, and it's going to have a man, a six speed manual option. Oof. So, <laughs> you know, I, honestly, what it what it does, it's basically the Toyota version of a Golf R, right? I mean, it, yeah. so so it kind Toyota. of dovetails really yeah. with your choice too, and and I loved it for the same reasons. Like, I think this is. Is a car that works for someone that lives in a big city that doesn't want a big footprint for their car because they have Mm -hmm. a small parking space at their apartment complex or they've got a parallel park at work on the street. Um, It works for, you know, people who live outside the city um, because it'll presumably be a fairly, you know, fun little commuter car. Um, It's a hatchback, so it's got tons of space in the back. Four doors, rear seats, you can, you know, someone... My height may not fit comfortably in the back, but, you know, presumably four adults can fit reasonably comfortable, comfortably yeah. in there. Um, and just the idea of that is so attractive to me. You've got the reliability and respectability of a Toyota, and it is it is a bit of a sleeper. Like, no one's going to know, you know, outside of an enthusiast, no. what the heck no, no, a no. GR Corolla is. You tell someone you've got a Toyota Corolla, they'll be like, all right, you know. <laughs> uh, and it's probably gonna be reasonable on the insurance because it's a four door hatchback, it's you gorilla, know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so i I think this could really great choice really take a lot of boxes. Um, I'm trying to see if they have announced what they think this will cost. Um, I think the GR Yaris went for. I think it was reasonable. I I my assumption is there's no way this is over our over our uh our limit. Okay, here we go. Uh, so they, so this this article I'm looking at here, they said it is probably going to be. In, they said there's an obvious opening in the current GR lineup for a GR Corolla that targets you at the Golf GTI or Golf R in terms of performance, the price segment, $31,000 yeah. and forty-five thousand dollars. So, you know, my 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 opinion on that, I guess, would be that a hey, you've you know. At the end of the day, you're still trying to sell a Corolla. Um, You know, people are going to balk at paying forty plus thousand dollars for Corolla. But I think if you put this at like thirty two to thirty five thousand, you know, pretty well equipped, like that's going to be
1: awesome. So, I yeah, I agree. It's a nice sweet spot for performance, and that's you know, in a way, um, you're you're actually getting a lot for that money. Yeah, and that's. Kind of the beauty of today, in terms of what actually comes standard with cars. Yeah, and I mean that's. The I thing. mean, I look like you know. a
0: lot of that technology has trickled down to the point where, like, you've got uh, you know you've got a lot of good tech. You know, you've got you know good smart uh, uh, cruise control. You know, sm- smart cruise control mm-hmm. where there's it's you know radar crews. and. Um, you've got a lot of, like, safety features that are now standard because of, you know, frankly, because of government uh, uh, requirements mm-hmm. and whatnot. So, um, you know, I think you're going to get a lot of value for that, you know, 35 ish say, $1,000 car. Um, and it's going to be a fun, you know, it's going to be a fun, dependable little car. So,
1: um, Yeah, 100%. You know. I mean, there was a time when a BMW 2002 Ti was... Considered a sports car, and I think that was like zero to sixty in like nine or eleven seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, let's, no, let's I know the fans off of that. Yeah, it's no, definitely going to be fun. Yeah, it's
0: it, and again, you know, I think what all these cars have in common is is usable performance on the street. Like hmm. it's it's why people, you know, the I think the easy car that both of us wanted to avoid uh, for this discussion would be a Miata.
1: Cause it's yeah. It's kind I, of a I agree. It's kind of, it's like It was definitely on my list. Yeah. It made because it makes sense and mm-hmm. over the years that's, you know, kind of a choice that a lot of people yeah, go with and it makes a lot of sense, but yeah, I was just kind of trying to think maybe a little Something bit different. outside of that box.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's kind of a it's kind of a meme in terms of
1: enthusiasts, you know, that quote unquote the answer is a Miata. Um but it, don't you think though though one of those in like convertible form though would be kind of fun oh t-
0: i have n- so the only thing i have against the miata is i don't fit in them you know i had i had a friend that had uh, good point. i had a friend that had a i think it was a 98 or 99 miata and i i put the passenger seat all the way back and i still my knees were dang no... near touching my chest it's just yeah. too small um, which, <laughs> no, is, oh, which is why I, I got the S2000 cuz i wanted that experience gotcha. but in a car that i could fit in Um, but the thing that all these cars have in common is, and, and what people always say about the Miata, which is why I brought it up is that you can exploit nine to 10 tenths of the performance of that car in stock form on a good back road. You know, like you can, you can use it and it's going to make you a better driver because you can, you get better at being a, a, a driver in terms of car control and whatnot, when you're pushing a car at its limits. And mm-hmm. for me in the 911, the only time I can do that remotely safely is on a track because that car is so stratospheric in its performance. And it's going to be the same yeah. thing for your Tycon. And, you know, yeah. but your 2002, you can actually access the limits of that car yep. on a good windy back road, you know, and that's the beauty of and those cars.
1: There's something to be said for that. You know, there's something to be said for not having to make you know a three-hour trip to a track yep or you know go through all that hassle and that that is something i think um as i've gotten older and had more experience with cars it is something that i value a little bit differently yeah um i might i might feel a little bit differently if i had close access to a track yeah um but so yeah it, it is it's a it's a really good thing you bring up because it's something i've thought of myself and my opinion on that is kind of changing as I evolve as is what I'm looking for in a car experience and just kind of enjoyment in life in general.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well I mean we were we've kind of been talking, you've had in the back of your mind maybe, you know, jumping into that um enthusiast yeah. car pool,
1: right? Yeah. I mean that's one of the things you know, when you talk about the Taycan, and you talk about the nine eleven GT three RS, I mean, they are absolute monsters. They mm-hmm. are absolute monsters. Um, to the point that even in daily driving, I mean, you just can't really access it on your commute to work unless you got a really, really fun, long commute. Mm-hmm. But even simple things like getting on a highway, um, mm-hmm. you put it down on the Taikon, it confuses people. Yeah. It's in places. <laughs> quickly that it shouldn't be and they're just not ready for it. Right. They just have assumed I've passed that car, I can change lanes safely and now you are right in their spot and you are continuing to accelerate. Yeah. So um I don't know, it's it's kind of one of the things is this democratization of power. Mm-hmm. Um it's going to be interesting cuz you know, it, I think as more people yeah. have these we're we're
0: really going to have to re restructure our thinking in terms of of or, or restructure our expectations in terms of, you know, how quick cars are. Because, you know, right now, if you're if you're merging onto a highway and you see that the, the lane you're going to merge into, the only thing that's there is an SUV that's, say, you know, whatever, 100, 100 yards or more behind you. You figure, okay, easy. You know, I've got plenty of space to get over, no problem. But if that, suv is a hummer ev um and or an e-tron you know or whatever yeah and they decide to model x and they just yeah and they decide for what yeah a model x plaid which got introduced this past week um (laughs) if they decide to put their foot down uh that 100 yards they're gonna
1: occupy your spot (laughs) well in the in the time it
0: takes for you to to look over your shoulder look back put your turn signal on yeah. to merge, they're already going to be in that spot that you thought was there. Um, so I think yeah. people are going to really need to recalibrate their expectations. And unfortunately, because and of how... You're going to want to buy some dash cams. Yeah. You're going
1: to want to buy some dash cams. Well, and
0: <laughs> and with how fast things are going to happen because of these speeds, Here. I think it's going to make a lot of the nanny stuff that I hate on cars actually more important. Because I think we're just not going to be able to process all these inputs fast enough. Yeah, you know, if it's all happening around us, you know, I can only imagine. You know, mm-hmm. where we live it. It probably won't be that big a deal because it's not that congested. But I can only imagine. You know, trying to drive on a freeway in LA when you're surrounded by a bunch of Teslas, <laughs> you know, that are you can all dart <clears throat> in and out of traffic and have instant acceleration, and you know, that would be actually kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I, and I think that's where, I know it's probably a niche group of people, but it is heartening to see, like Toyota, some of these manufacturers are still delivering, you know, sports car performance that's accessible yeah. when a lot of discussion is, a lot, a lot of kind of what's seen to be innovative or desirable things by maybe a mass market mm-hmm is cars that take more of the driving away from you yeah. and do it themselves yeah, are kind of more disengaged. They're very monotonous, mm-hmm. simplistic on the inside. Um, yeah. And and so it's, it's, it's reassuring in my mind that, that we're still seeing some of that, but I don't, I don't know how long that's, that's going to exist. And that's kind of one of the things that, you know, has been going through my mind. Um You know, in in kind of recent years and months, is just thinking, when is the end of the sports car that I grew up with as a kid, where I learned how to drive a manual Mm -hmm. um, and I was responsible for whether that car performed well or
0: not. Right. Yeah. No, I I think that's really, it makes me really sad seeing the amount of advertising that is focused on look how much stuff you don't have to do when you drive our car. You know, like the Chevy's um, kind of ubiquitous ad for Super Cruise. I don't know if you've seen that with, uh, I think it was the Chevy Chevy Silverado. But the guy, okay. it's like, a, I think it's like We Will Rock You starts. Uh, like the the mm-hmm. melody of it. And it's like a yeah. couple driving down some lonesome highway. And the guy takes his hands off the steering wheel and starts like kind of doing like, clapping along to the song, like boom, boom, clap, you know, that sort of thing. And yeah. com- hands are completely yeah. off the wheel. And of course trucks doing just fine. Cause it's got super cruise. And it's just like, why, you know, it's, it's staggering to me that we have, you know, we look at driving as a right and not a privilege in this country. And what that leads to is a bunch of people getting in their cars and having no problem driving completely distracted, when they're driving mm. cars that are increasingly heavy and do incredible amounts of damage if it hits a, a cyclist or a pedestrian or or another smaller car, and and the advertising is going more and more towards look how much you don't have to pay attention if you have our our technology our car you know and and especially yeah. for. People like us who, like you said we we grew up enjoying the fact that like what the car did was down to how we operated it, you know,
1: yeah, yeah, it's either you're a I mean, I distinctly remember <clears throat> as a kid i was I learned how to drive a manual on my mom's three series, and I remember on this road going like probably forty five miles an hour, mm-hmm. and I don't know what happened, I just Maybe we were talking or I was distracted, but we were coming up to a stoplight and it was red. And I just, I just cannot explain even to this day, but I distinctly remember, you know, I was going 45 miles an hour mere feet from a car in front of me. Mm -hmm. And, um, that thing being a sports car allowed me to get out of the way. And I probably missed that car by a half an inch, maybe Mm -hmm. a quarter of an inch. It was not good. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's like, there's a point where some of these technologies are probably going to fail, um, whether it's bad weather and you're reliant on it and you're thinking it's going to work. And so I'm from a generation I will probably never trust it. Right. But, um, if you've got that skill set to save the accident, great. Mm -hmm. But if, your entire existence with a car has been relying on this technology that you hope doesn't fail most of the time. Right. Um You just don't have that same skill set. Well, style. yeah, uh, this not something I look back on like, oh, I'm really proud I yeah. was able to avoid yeah. that accident. It wasn't good. Yeah. You know, and some people will probably argue, well, the you know, the car, car that was driving wouldn't have gotten destroyed. Well, <laughs> you know, but my point is yeah. that there's going there's going to be occasions where it's like, God, you know what the hell, we've tested this for three years and yeah. then it just hit a pole. Well, that's, that's know, the problem. Why did it hit that pole? I don't know. That's, that's <laughs> the problem with these black box texno-
0: technologies. You know, there was a, a paper years ago in the MIT Tech, uh, I think it was the MIT Technology Review, um, that talked about this problem. Like, these systems, these AI systems are really phenomenal, but if they make a mistake, mm-hmm. because you don't necessarily know how the computer uh, got to the decision that it made, and you you can't review its decision-making process. It's a black box. You're putting in mm-hmm. data, and outcomes an outcome or a choice or a decision, and so if it makes the correct choice 99% of the time, great. But if it one percent of the time it drives into the front of a supermarket, then you have no way of knowing like why did that? Yeah. Okay, well. What happens the next time? Does it drive into the front of the supermarket again? and then if it does then yeah what, how, it never does that, again. that technology is completely useless and that's that's what tech Basically. that's what Tesla's running into with their full self driving beta is like they're you know they say despite it despite all their claims, at the end of the day they say when you when you take part in the beta, you have to acknowledge that you have to stay vigilant and ready to take over for the car if it makes a mistake and humans are horrible at attentiveness tasks Mm because you know when you're driving you're actively engaged in theory but if all you're doing is watching to make sure the car doesn't do something wrong we're really bad at those kind of tasks and yeah and so you know combine that with as the ubiquity of these systems increases, our actual skills at doing the driving task are going to atrophy. So now you're asking someone who maybe isn't that skilled at driving anymore to take over for the car when it makes a mistake. I mean, that's just a recipe for disaster in my mind. Um,
1: Very yeah. possible. I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we will find we'll see, out. but I mean, <laughs> at,
0: at, you know, that... That's a bit of a, a digression, but the whole point of this show is we, you know, this episode is like, we love the experience of driving, and, you know, I was actually pleasantly surprised to see there's more cars than I thought that are out there that can give yeah. you some of that thrill of driving and have a manual for, for what is a, a not insurmountable cost to to, to yeah. a, a, someone trying to and, try yeah, to get yeah. in. <clears throat> so. I think that's about all we have time for today, but did you want to add anybody?
1: No, that's great. All right, well, thank
0: you all so much for listening. Um, uh, Be sure to check us out on the Blofeld Podcast on Instagram, and um, we'll be back next week if there's there's more car news. Awesome. If not, um, we'll have another fun topic to chat about. But uh, in the meantime, thanks so much, and we appreciate you listening.